Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Alan Aragon. Alan is a nutrition researcher and educator with over 30 years of success in the field. He is known as one of the most influential figures in the fitness industry's movement towards evidence-based information. His notable clients include Stone Cold Steve Austin, Derek Fisher, and Pete Sampras. How can you not like a guy that's worked with Stone Cold? Alan's written a wonderful book called Flexible Dieting, which is kind of the centerpiece for our discussion today, which I highly recommend. It's an A to Z book on everything you need to know about non-clinical nutrition. I've included a link in the show notes to his peer-reviewed publications if you really want to dig deep, and I've included a link to an article he co-authored called Nutrient Timing Revisited, which is the most viewed article in the history of the Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition. In today's episode, we discuss flexible dieting, which is not a specific diet, but a style of dietary control that, according to Allen, eschews dichotomous thinking and facilitates better individualization and long-term adherence. It's a continuum of dietary control, and I love this way of thinking, and I've actually naturally found myself drifting in and out of this continuum as I really dug deep into what's going on here. I love his thinking, and I love the work that he's doing. We also discuss how our perception of specific foods impacts our likelihood that we'll overindulge or binge those foods. So if you struggled with finding a system of eating that works for you, you're going to absolutely love this series of episodes with Alan. But before we get started, AIM7 is ready to go. And if you want to join our next exclusive cohort, then sign up at www.aim7.com. Here's where this gets really fun. I'm about to start a cohort for Blueprint listeners only. Not only are you going to get access to the beta app, but you're also going to get access. We're going to have four Zoom calls with me in the month of January where we'll discuss habit building, adaptive capacity, and so much more. We're going to talk about sleep. It's going to be a blast. So you can sign up now. But when you do that, you need to make sure that you note that you heard about this on the blueprint and you want to join that cohort and we'll make sure to prioritize your registration because each cohort has a limited number of spots and we're doing this so we can make this experience as intimate as possible and we can deliver results for you. All right, now for my conversation with Alan. So let's lean in and learn from the best. Alan, I got your fantastic book flexible dieting. I think there's a lot of junk science out there. When I heard you on a podcast talking about this, I was like, man, this is my guy. I love this. So would you explain what flexible dieting is and maybe give us a little bit of the science that supports this? Like, what does the literature say about this methodology or thought process? Sure. Well, first of all, Eric, thank you so much for having me on the show, man. I'm glad that you have a PhD because my book really requires a lot of mental endurance to get through. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I actually think it was pretty easy. And I think though, the beauty of it is it's digestible. I, I think you did a phenomenal job with that. Cool, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Flexible dieting is a cognitive style of dietary restraint. So that's sort of the technical nutshell of what it is. And so the study of flexible dietary restraint really kind of 
kicked in in the in the 90s. And the study of, of restraint itself, um, not necessarily applied to dietary habits, it, it actually started in the 70s, but flexible dieting versus rigid dieting, that really hit the literature in the 1990s, where flexible dieting was characterized by a non-dichotomous approach and perception of foods and dieting. So in other words, you didn't see foods as good or bad, like good or evil. You know, you didn't see dieting as an all or nothing black or white type of endeavor. So, you know, as the name implies there, there's a certain degree of flexibility that you can kind of lean on as far as the dieting process goes and changing the body and seeing the whole process on a spectrum versus I'm either failing or I'm, I'm succeeding at this. And that type of thinking, the rigid thinking breeds perfectionism, which tends to set people up for self-sabotage. So over the course of roughly a decade or so, the flexible versus rigid dietary restraint approach was compared. Some of these designs are criticized for being observational and not necessarily controlled to isolate causal factors and stuff, but still there was a consistency of results in favor of flexible dieting versus rigid dieting. And the favorable effects even spanned into controlling body weight, maintaining weight loss, and, and not just the things that you would imagine would be beneficial with flexible dieting, like uh, mitigating the tendency towards disordered eating. You know, it, it actually worked. It actually gave people better physical results. And so as the study of flexible dieting evolved and people kind of got got to know Oh, there's, there's something called flexible dieting. And it actually, it was Lyle McDonald back in like the early ish 2000s who presented the concept to the lay audience. So he, he gets credit for that. Mm. And, and it's really funny because I've been asked like, what's the difference between my book and Lyle's book. And I'm like, well, basically everything you can think of is different <laughs> between my book <laughs> and Lyle's book. Cause my book is just called flexible dieting, but it covers every dang aspect of non-clinical nutrition you, you can imagine. Okay, so flexible dieting was consistently shown to outperform rigid dieting for just physical outcomes as, as well as psychological outcomes. And what happened in like the early 2010s or so is people started conflating the macro counting with flexible dieting. They sort of synonymized those terms, okay? And so that's not actually correct because flexible dieting is a non-dichotomous approach and it's actually flexibility of dietary approach. That's what flexible dieting is. So for people who want to micromanage themselves and they feel great doing that, good. That's what they need to do. For people who want to go much more uh, habits-based, qualitative, non-quantitative, then great. That's how you individualize the plan for that type of person. And so flexible dieting is really at its core. It's the individualization of the dietary approach. So when people conflate flexible dieting with counting macros, it tends to drive me insane when, when I hear that. So the way I perceive it is like some people, I think of things on a, like a continuum, let's say you're really, really obese, right? And you're ready for a change in your life. It could be we just want you to focus on eating fruits and vegetables. It could be like a palm-based serving or just like, hey, are you aware of protein of multicolored fruits and vegetables of this, that, and the other? And that could be the thing that starts moving them in the right direction to create the habits of healthy eating. For somebody else, it could be like, you know, I'm a real analytical person and I like to track my macros. 
or maybe I just want to know my total calories. So you know what I'm saying? Like, as I was mm-hmm. listening and reading, like that approach makes sense to me because we all learn differently. And as long as like, to me, the, the ball is moving down the fairway, there's a lot of different ways to kind of skin that cat, right? Is that a layman's way of kind of looking at this? Is that appropriate? That is exactly accurate. And I think you were much more eloquent and concise and boiling it down than I was. <laughs> because one of the things you said is the body is remarkable at being consistent i've heard you say that Mm. and i've noticed in my own journey you know i used to weigh almost 270 pounds i was an offensive lineman in college and then moved down and kind of stuck at a certain spot and then kind of moved down kind of stayed at a certain spot and as i've cleared out certain health hurdles in my life and then become just more consistent in different things over the past 20 years. It's amazing how like I can kind of just intuitively know where I'm headed. Hey, the past month I've been eating this specific way. I could probably step on the scale and tell you I'm going to be 217 within a pound or two, right? And then I know that, hey, if I go out and have a dinner with my wife, there's nothing wrong with that. I should enjoy life, but not be caught into this all or nothing mindset, you know, Mm -hmm. which can totally sabotage people. And that was something else I want to ask you about. With the flexibility, when somebody does enjoy life, like not cheat, but enjoy life, they don't feel like they're off the rails. And then sometimes that leads people to just binging. Is Do you see that? Yeah, there, this is a contentious topic as far as like what, what works with people and what doesn't in terms of complete avoidance of, for example, trigger foods and such. There's a philosophy that I tend to subscribe to, especially with food, that The foods that you perceive as forbidden fruit are the ones that you will most likely overdo and have the least amount of control over because you've basically ascribed this supernatural status to a given food like ice cream or chocolate or pizza or hamburgers. And and yes, while those foods ignite the neural reward pathways to a greater degree than other foods do, it's still not good enough justification to put them in the strictly avoid category. And in fact, one of the protocols for alleviating binge eating disorder or treating it or managing it is to change people's perception of foods from thinking of them as forbidden, try to change that to fine, or it's just food. There are obvious drawbacks with this food because it's highly energy dense. And it's easy to passively overeat, but we recognize all that stuff and we strategize on how to actually consume these foods in moderation and still succeed. And the moderation term does frustrate some people because they're like, what's moderation? You know, how do you, how do you moderate? You know, I, I can just, if I just have one Lay's potato chip, I'll sit there and have the whole bag. And the response to that is, well, that's because of your perception of the Lay's potato chips. You're thinking it's a forbidden food. You're thinking you can never have this stuff. So if you're going to have it and it's going to be another one or two years before you ever have it again, might as well slam the whole thing. So all if, in, baby. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Go eat the whole pizza. <laughs> and so when you have this perception of the food that I'm never going to have this thing again, if I'm going to have it, I'm going to go all out. When you have that perception, then you are basically cornering yourself into binging. But when you have the perception that it's just food, yes, it's junk food, but I can still have a certain amount of this stuff and still have an overall healthy diet, then everything changes. And so that certain amount 
or that in quotes, discretionary calorie allotment for most people, observationally anyway, is right around 10 to 20% of total calories or in the typical diet, say two to 400 calories of anything you want. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that 10 to 20% of YOLO foods in the diet is not going to ruin a diet that's 80 to 90% clean or wholesome. You're still having a healthy diet. And in fact, when you build in that discretionary calorie allotment, you build in stronger adherence because you feel sane and you don't feel like you're overly restricting and depriving your indulgences. And, you know, just in, in life, you know, you have to have a certain amount of fun. Not everybody is wired this way. There are some people in the scant minority who are perfectly okay with just eating Spartan 100% of the time, and that's what they enjoy. But the majority of the planet likes a little chocolate, likes a little ice cream, likes a little wine, likes a little deep fried this or that. Yeah. And uh, that is perfectly For thousands of years, we've celebrated some of the most important things in our lives with food and feasts. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's It's just when it becomes gluttonous. And that's what I appreciate about this book and what you're talking about is it brings balance. And in our busy lives, it's just like exercise or anything else. Like I have to exercise today. Do you really have to do it every day? It's good. But like if you miss the day because you're on a flight and you had life happen or kids or somebody got sick, like if it becomes an obsessive thought pattern, it's going to be destructive. And I, I personally found in my own journey too. I used to have this forbidden food mindset, you know, like in the superfood era of the world, you know, like <laughs> that time in the two, early 2000s, men health, mm-hmm. everything was like these superfoods and then you cheat to this. And I, and then later I'm like, <laughs> that that just leads to poor habits instead of just kind of having this consistency, which I really appreciate. If people want to buy your book, it's on Amazon, but where can they follow you? Like, where would you send people to learn more about flexible dieting and, and, and your paradigm of thinking? Yeah, I do most of my... Online shenanigans on Instagram. That's where my base audience is at. Okay. And across the social media platforms, my username is the Alan Aragon. And you can find all of my stuff at my website, which is alanaragon.com. And and my book is available everywhere. Everywhere books are sold. There you go. All right. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for talking about this today. Sure thing, man. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you learned something today, maybe about dietary control or why you shouldn't have forbidden foods, do me a favor, post it on social media. Make sure to tag me and Alan and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.